Greetings from the Long Island Sound podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right, enjoy the show. Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. I've heard it said, when language fails, music speaks. In this episode, we hear Josie Bellow's music, Loud and Clear. We'll hear three of her songs which speak about moving forward and the lies which divide our nation. This folk singer-songwriter calls herself a late bloomer, but her music could not be more timely. Have a listen to her song, Can't Go Home.
Josie Bellows' music streams straight from the heart. Born in the moment of our times, fortified with lessons to be learned, bringing joy to the soul, easing the troubles of our day. Her thoughtful songwriting is emotional and personal. I found the call of a prayer and a hope meant for healing. Josie draws from many genres as we look to discover the artists behind her music. I'm so happy to welcome Josie Bello to the Long Island Sound Podcast. Welcome, Josie. Good to have you. Thank you. That was such a lovely introduction. I don't know if I deserve such a great introduction. Yeah, we'll see. We'll let the audience be the judge of that. How's that? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So, Josie, you hail from uh, Huntington, but originally from Queens, as I, I looked up uh, uh, your website. And mm-hmm. uh, you know what I found interesting was that uh, you hit the uh, the coffee um, circuit, uh, so to speak. So maybe tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll turn the pages back and talk about some other things, how music found you. How's that? Frank, my husband, was was playing in coffee houses when he was in college, and he, he started to want to play guitar again. And he was playing and singing and stuff maybe about seven, eight years ago. And then I, I started playing and singing with him, but I, I told him I wanted to take guitar lessons and that's how I met Mike. Wow. So, so you picked up a guitar a little later in life then? Yeah. I'm a very late bloomer. <laughs> hey, I'm the, I'm the same way. <laughs> I picked up the guitar when I'm 61 now. I picked up the guitar probably when I was like 25 and then mm-hmm. I put it down for 10 years because it was too damn hard. And, it, uh, it is hard. It's, I, I put it down recently. I can't. It's too hard. Yeah, it's it's. You know what helped me? What helped me was, uh, was um, YouTube. If someone can show me, then mm-hmm. I can play it. And guitar tabs helped out a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, it was kind of like solace time for me. Uh, and I'm 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 horrible. 
That's why they're hanging on the wall behind me and, and, and not my hands. <laughs> Mine are on the floor over there. But, you know, but I'm comparing myself to two really great guitar players, Mike Nugent and my husband. Mm. So it, the bar is very high. I'm, I'm better off just sticking to keyboards, you know. I hear you. When did you start playing uh, the keys? Well, when I was little, I, I wanted to take guitar lessons, but my parents said, no, you, you take accordion lessons. And, and that's, you know, I, they got me a big book of Italian songs, and I had to work my way through them with my accordion teacher. And, and later on, I, you know, the accordion just wasn't the greatest fit for me mm-hmm. because I enjoyed singing. And so I, I asked my parents to get me a piano and they did. And, oh, and nice. I was kind of self-taught on the piano. That's how it started in my family. My, I have uh, come from Polish heritage. So the accordion is like an appendage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the dream was to have my sister, Christine, play the accordion. And she started for a little while. And then it was, it was, it was that was a tough instrument. But then we both, both her and I shared <laughs> piano <laughs> lessons with Mrs. Wallace. And uh, we'd have to listen to each other's lessons, which was torturous for the both of us, I'm sure. But uh, it, it's a good, it's a good way to start, though, on the piano. It gives you some structure to to music and what have you. Yeah, I th- I think all kids should take some kind of music lessons. You know, I think it's good for them. I and I think it, like now I've noticed a lot of people sort of revisiting the, the, the instruments they played when they were younger, and it becomes like a hobby in in middle age. Right. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I I was lamenting about uh, any of the cutbacks in the schools. They tend to cut the arts right away. Mm-hmm. And I saw this um, news article, I think it was on News 12, and this uh, teacher had a great line. She said, when language fails, music speaks. Wow. And and it really, it kind of hit my heart when I, when I heard about that. And it's also one of the things that I I'm really admire, people like yourself who take the muse and develop a song out of it and speak the words that uh, I don't, I don't speak, you know, and, and kind of uh, bring things to the forefront. So um, maybe that's why I do the podcast because I really admire what you do and, and how you bring um, the muse or the thought or the inspiration and bring it to a song. Do you want to explore that at all? How, you know, your approach um, to songwriting? Well, it usually starts with a thought that I have, mm-hmm. you know, something that I, I want to, a feeling or, or words that I, that I want to um, put out there. I've always been a writer, you know, okay. I was a grant, grant writer and wrote a lot of corporate stuff. And um, I just wanted to write something that was more meaningful. And sure. I found, I kind of found that in songwriting and I, you know, as soon as I learned a few chords on the guitar, I started to sing my own songs. They just, you know, they weren't all good. And I, I write a lot of songs. Most of them are not, you know, really recordable or something you would share out. But I find that it's very therapeutic to take something you're thinking about and write about it and put it in sort of a song form mm-hmm. and I love singing so you know it, it just all kind of came together when I started strumming the guitar I hadn't written a song before then 
Yeah, it, it's so it's interesting because learning other people's songs or for myself to do cover songs, I have a list of that I go through that I think mm-hmm. I can do uh, is strenuous to try and do. But then I can imagine you where you you pop out, uh, you know, three chord thing and and start throwing your thoughts around. That that's easy, and and you know what, it, it keeps it in your mind to expand upon it. I would assume, mm-hmm. you know, that's exactly correct. Now coming into the the show, uh, we heard the song. Uh, can't go home. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I got to tell you what kind of came into my mind because I, I listen to every guest I have. I, I, I spend a few days uh, devouring your music. And I, I kept one thing. I grew up in Levittown. And once in a while, I'll drive past the old house, you know, to see how it's mm-hmm. changed or the neighborhood's changed. And you brought out the sentiment of what you can't go back. I mean, it's the same. There may be a couple people there. They're different ages when you grew up. Uh, you kind of pull out in the song, there's no going home. And, and it just created this picture of reminiscing and sadness at the same time, you know, that, that you can't go back. So Because it's not there anymore, you know. Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah, it's just not the same. And, um, you know, the, your, the pizzeria you used to hang around in is now like some Dunkin' Donuts strip mall or something. And it's right. just kind of like, it's just not the same. And, and and what brought that song, that song was written the morning that my husband closed on a family home, okay. the home he grew up in. His mom um, had to go live with his sister, and we had been going back and forth to Sheepshead Bay to close, you know, to get the house ready for sale. Mm-hmm. And you, I, I had to go through my old neighborhood to get there, and you know, we both had these sort of periods of reminiscing about, you know, wow, that's changed and this has changed. And, and, and when he closed on the house that morning, when he left to go there, I wrote the song in sort of one spot, you know, just all in one shot. And, and, you know, when you think about it, it, you know, talking about being therapeutic for you, it helps you um, run through the emotions of it, you know, uh, to to bring to I don't know maybe some sort of closure I w- I would think um, you know those things those of us who who grapple with emotion unresolved emotions um, are handicapped that we we aren't like you in order to drive it out and yet I would think when you either hear it or sing it it brings those emotions back to a certain degree as well well if I'm performing it I think it's a good idea to to reconnect with what originally got me going on the song. I think it helps the performance, but I also think that anytime you can have a feeling and put it somehow attach words to it and help it make sense, it, it helps it make sense for you. And then when I, I'm lucky enough to be able to write songs and people can connect with them if they do, and it helps them make sense of some similar feelings. So it's kind of cool. It's, it's a really, it's very therapeutic, but it's not just therapeutic for the songwriter. Right. It's therapeutic if people are connecting to it and are helping to develop some language to explain their feelings. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Let me just maybe come from left field. So you're, you're, you're playing, uh, besides for, you know, alongside of Frank, uh, early on playing the keys, Tell me about the first time you went out on your own and did a solo gig. How was that for you? <laughs> and there's, there's this look of fear. 
<laughs> well, I mean, my goodness, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not primarily a musician. But earlier this year, I was invited to a songwriter showcase. Okay. And oh yeah, and I did it completely alone. Um just me and my keys and two other songwriters and I you know, I was scared, but I was excited by the challenge. Now, was that out, out in East Atawket by chance? It, uh, Dave Black Promotions. I don't know okay. if you know Dave Black. He he, he did, um, and it was me, Kelly Baker, and oh, somebody else, uh, Rick Eberly. Okay. So I I felt like uh, they were both pros, and I I was not, but. It, it all worked out pretty good. And then before then, I had done the Hard Luck Cafe, which is the uh, Huntington Folk Music Society. Okay. And they used to have shows pre-pandemic where they would highlight one or two songwriters. And I was paired up with Hank Stone, and, and he helped me out. You know, he played along with me. Uh, he accompanied me on my stuff, and and that was very helpful. But the Dave Black show was the first time I ever got up by myself and played and sang. And, and also I started to do that at open mics, mm-hmm. you know, to try to learn how to get up in front of an audience without shaking and being terrified. And, right, right. you know, I mean, if you do something, I guess if you do something enough times, if there's enough repetition, you can get used to anything. Right, right. But you know, it's nice too. And I found this with, the musician community is everyone is everyone wants is your cheerleader and wants to see you succeed and they're happy to help you along. Um, uh, that That's what I found, which I think it's great to, for, at least for me to interview this community because everyone has really been very generous with their stories and their music and, and introducing me to other people, which is, which is always a lot of fun. Hey, why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk about, you know, what happened with COVID? Because you started pre-COVID getting out there. And uh, let's talk about some of the things you do it online and, uh, and we'll talk about that. So hang with us, everybody. We'll be right back with Josie Bellow. At the Long Island Sound, we're much more than a podcast. We're building a community. Please go to gigdestiny.com. Check out all our social media links. Subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. Please comment. Call the listener line. Tell us what you think, what questions we should ask, who we should have on the show. And most of all, we thank you for your generous support. And remember, support the artists who are guests on the show. Now back to the podcast. Hey, everybody. We are back after that short break with Josie Bello. And what I wanted to really talk about is I, I believe the, the impact of COVID and the quarantine has had um, a silver lining to it in some aspects and some really tough times for musicians. So you started, Josie, gigging out prior to COVID. How did, you know, when things got shut down, how how did it affect you um, creatively and and so on? I did start gigging before COVID, but right before COVID. Okay. It took a lot for me to get up on a stage and, and play and sing in public. Sure. And so I found I was just sort of finding my courage and everything shut down. And, you know, Frank and I were invited to play several live stream shows. And that was scary 
but not as bad as having live people in front of you. You know, just right. had a computer screen and you could just sort of, you know, pretend there was no one listening. And then Linda had re- Linda Sussman had reached out to me and said, let's do a live stream. Let's us do a live stream. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, you, we spent, you spent so much time preparing for those. And then they're gone in an instant. Let's do something that might have legs. Okay. So we decided, we, we talked about a name for it, and we came up with the name Song Break. And every Sunday morning, we did a very brief song swap. She did one, I did one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had this little thing going every week during COVID, every Sunday, because I had stopped going to church because I was terrified of getting sick. So my Sunday mornings were free all of a sudden. And as COVID has eased off and we're not at home anymore all the time, we've come to a once a month song break show that is more involved. We invite a singer songwriter of some prominence, sometimes someone of national prominence, we had Christine Lavin mm. and we have some people on tap that are, you know, coming up that are national prominence. And it's been very interesting. And, and they, we do a three-way song swap and we interview them and our, our fan base, our community is, is learning from this. Um, and, and it's just been terrific. And Linda's great to work with. She's very organized She's very um, detail oriented. I'm I'm sort of like you know, come as I go a day. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, you could come tell. See, come saw, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like we're supposed to start at seven thirty. When did I sign on? Seven twenty nine. Of course, you know, right. got a whole minute. I mean, come on. <laughs> as as my so- my daughter says, for us to procrastinate, hey, we get everything done in a minute or two. So <laughs> exactly. We're actually more efficient. We just can't, you know, encapsulate it and, you know, make that work. But it, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and, I've, um, I've listened to yeah. a few of them. And it's great because you, you bounce off each other. And, mm-hmm. then, and then the dynamic of three people is interesting to juggle, you know, mm-hmm. but you, you can always refer to the songs, which I think is great. But you touched on one word, and that's building community. Right. And 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 expanding upon that, and that's where the word goes viral, and and people start tuning in. Um, we'll, by the way, we'll we'll leave some links for those who are new to our program. We have chapter marks of everything we talk about. So uh, Linda Sussman was a previous guest uh, on, on the show, and so was Kelly Baker. And uh, so we'll uh, put the song break link for I believe it's you do it on Facebook so people can uh, check it out there and maybe you'll get some more future guests out of it but what's interesting with with what happened with quarantine even with my podcast this podcast started uh, back on January 28th and it was really a fruit of okay how do we get the word out about musicians and where can it be a, a win-win scenario and it's it's been honestly an unintentional consequence for me to become a, a podcast host. I mean, I did not want to put that on my resume, but I'm having fun doing it. And, uh, you know, having a platform where you can reach other people and expand upon it, um, I think is key. And that's what, that's, what's great about song break as well. You know, you're kind of working off each other um, to get the music out there, which I think is the name of the game. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and actually, I want to mention that the, the other good thing about doing that weekly song swap with Linda and even continuing with song break is that it's a place to workshop the new songs. You know, you can, mm. you, you can actually perform new songs, which is what I used to do at open mics oh, to sort of see people's reactions. But it's very helpful, I think. And I found, I found out the hard way. It's better to play new song out a number of times before you record it because you, it, it's richer because you have, all that input, whether it's, it's not so much what people say, it's how they mm-hmm. react to your song. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. Now, when, when you do your song break, do you have a chat feature? Do you, do you have people yeah. comment? Okay. So you're mm-hmm. getting that instant feedback. You get some them. feedback. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. I was just thinking about com- comedians who work the circuit and go out there and, and test their material out and mm-hmm. fine tune it before they actually, uh, you know, hit the big stage, you know, the late night shows, yeah. you know, and they still do it. Even the pros. I didn't have any um, intention of actually performing. Mm-hmm. I just like songwriting. And, you know, when I showed Mike some of my songs and he said, Oh, we can record those. And like, well, you know, I, I don't really want to record them. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. He said, we'll make demos. So my first album was demos. <laughs> and I kind of grew into it. Josie's talking about a mutual friend, Mike Nugent, uh, who's also my guitar teacher, although he may not admit to being my guitar teacher if you heard me play, Um, (laughs) because I need a few hundred more lessons uh, to get us us through. But Mike Mike is a generous heart of a guy and uh, just a superb musician that puts uh, spice and flavor to anything. And he knows the world, right? He knows everybody, or everybody knows Mike, you know, and he could... He could lead uh, uh, songwriters to, uh, you know, add this musician or that musician to get a different texture to the music. I, I'm probably speaking for you, but I, I assume uh, I'm right in in the way Absolutely. that he's the way that he's he's approached it, and he's so encouraging. Let me, and I'll I got just a quick aside. Mike was my very first interview. He had the guts to actually yes, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do a podcast, and I look back and I'm like, oh man, I was horrible, <laughs> but but. That's what friends are for, right? To help test things out. So I think it's well, I think cool. I think the more you do something, the better you'll get. Hopefully, yeah. You got to yeah. you got to uh, you got to work. Yeah, you got to work it. You know, before you can master it or come close to it. Woodshed it. Woodshed it. Right. <laughs> that, that, that's a mic term. That's yeah. A mic, that's a mic term. Hey, let's. I want to talk about the next song we want to profile called "They Lie," mm-hmm. and. What's interesting in the dialogue of politics that's happened over the past few years, and I'm just going to talk about, I've isolated myself from people because I just like, I, I can't, you know, I can't take it. It's just like they, they drank the Kool-Aid type of thing. And, and it's, it's difficult. So I end up avoiding conversations. But then listening to your song, it's, it really kind of brings out what's in my heart about certain things. Um, I don't know. Maybe you tell me how how the song came about for you. And and by the way, kudos to you for for you know doing this uh, and taking a social stance on things. I got fed up one night. You know, I I was flipping around the channels. I, I watched cable news. You know, I watch mostly MSNBC, but I also watch CNN and 
I'll, I'll tune into Fox and say to myself, how are they spinning this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was amazed. I've been amazed at how a completely different set of facts is being reported by three different major cable news outlets. And I just thought, how can this be right? Right. You know, and, and people that don't think certain things or don't agree with you are people who maybe just watch one of those networks. And it's not so much that they drank the Kool-Aid, it's that they're being indoctrinated, you know? And this is, to them, a reliable news source, and it's perf- they're perfectly comfortable with the idea of alternative facts. And that, to me, is the craziest concept I've ever heard. And at the end of the day, I feel like the people that support uh, misinformation are people that are just in it for profit. Mm-hmm. They don't really care about anything else. And that's what the chorus of the song is about, manipulating the street, being manipulating Wall Street, or or whatever that stands for. I don't even understand the mechanics of how that works somehow, but but it's all about chasing the dollar. Yeah, it's it seems to be the whatever narrative that'll fit into the audience that we're looking to attract. We'll just keep going, keep going down that that rabbit hole. Um, I think it all it, it all will come around, but it's um, it's good to hear music like this that that points it out, you know. And uh, uh, it's a great song. Well, let me just say though that that's that's what has impressed me about folk music mm. is its message. It can be message oriented, and it can get in information out there it can get ideas out there and it can get people to think things in in a new way and it's very powerful music is extremely powerful oh i agree and you know what what i believe music can do because we're both listening to it there's the that potential for people or the audience to dialogue about it not get a monologue or get fed certain Mm -hmm. things but hey let's talk about yeah, that reminds me of this or that. And maybe that's what we need to do is there needs to be more dialogue instead of monologues backed up by money. You know? Yeah, like um, it, it get people to think. Right. And you know, you know it, what kind of surprised me, because I, I, I visit different genres with my guests, how strong, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't call it a revival, but, but the folk Americana blend of music, uh, even bluegrass, Mm-hmm. There's that that modern thread talking about what happened today, not what happened in the way out west, but mm-hmm. but um, uh, things about our times, our current events, uh, and you know everybody thought you know folk music was dead when uh, Dylan went electric. Uh, no, it's 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 got resilience, and we'll talk about that word a little deeper into our episode. So why don't we take a listen to "They Lie," and we'll be right back after the song. think it's okay if you believe what they say they walk around righteous every day if it's a lie and you believe it does 
We're back. What a great song. Love folk music because you get right to the heart of social justice issues and speak the truth that we all need to hear. So uh, everyone's got to play and listen to that song. By the way, you can find Josie's uh, music on Spotify. Just uh, look up Josie Bellow and you'll see the artist right there. Hey, I want to just uh, I'm going to digress and do a commercial here real quick. I have a thing called the listener line, and I'm really interested in the audience's questions for artists, particularly from singer-songwriters, some new singer-songwriters who are looking to promote their music. How do you get it done? 
I, I'm looking for questions on that, and I'm looking for answers too, because Josie and I were talking um, offline, and with the concophony of the jungle of content that's out there, everyone is struggling uh, to be heard. You know, we want we want our music to be heard. So uh, that's, that's a little self selfless self promotion here. That's why I do the podcast. It's just another platform to get one the music out. And this is my thought is, hey, if you get to know the artists behind the music, you probably want to explore more of their music. So that's where we go with that. But um, I, even, even when I started my website, gigdestiny.com, I was trying to help a couple of guys get gigs during COVID, you know, which was – it's a full-time job. And I have a full-time job, which is not podcasting. And, and the wife said, hey, uh, you know, got to do what's paying the bills, you know. So it's it is a full time job getting getting your music out there. So we're interested in exploring that and seeing what's successful. But um, well, Josie, you're doing it with uh, song break, right? You're you're exposing yourself at least locally mm-hmm. and potentially nationally. Um, there's radio stations to get out, but it's tough to get people's attention. And I think the key. Uh, and I'll get off my soapbox in a second, is is networking, just like anything else. Just like anything else, absolutely. And there there is a there are some local stations like the, the Stony Brook station yep. that has some specialty shows. So, you know, if you're a blues artist, you can reach out to the guy that does the blues shows, or if you're a country Americana artist, you can reach out to Mary Lamont, who does the Americana shows. I think that the local DJs are very approachable. You can send them your music and they will listen. And if they like it, they'll play it. Right. I, I, you have to do the, the uh, you have to woodshed the grassroots stuff. Uh, there are several clubs out there that um, will take a shine to original music. They're few and far between, in my opinion. Um, and you have to do the hard work. And I've seen you do this, the libraries going out and doing um, uh, open jams, you know, uh, open mic sessions uh, to get out there. And little by little, you know, I believe the rain wears the marble and you never know, you may not know immediately, but eventually the word gets around and you, you get more exposure out there and people get exposed to your music. But you have to play live, right? Yeah, and and the, and there are a lot of people that write songs. So I have run a few original open mics, and people. It's surprising how many people write music, and much of it is good. Mm. Right. It's a, but then it's pulling the. <laughs> I can't say how many times have you listened to something on the radio and go, I could have done that. <laughs> I could have wrote. I could have wrote that, and you know. Or the other thing that kills me is talking to singer-songwriters, and uh, it's it's rare. They'll One out of a thousand songs, oh, yeah, I did it in 15 minutes, or I woke up from a dream and it was all written for me. And I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> Does that happen to you? Or, or is no. It, it's, no, it's no. more it's more of a process for you. Um, you know, a lot of times things come out very quickly, but then, you know, you want to refine them. So it takes time. You want to find exactly the right word for a space, you know, for a spot in the song and the lyric or just the right rhyme. And I'm in no hurry to to get the song exactly where I want it. You know, it's not like I have a contract where I have to produce material. Right, right. You do it do it in your own sweet time. Mm-hmm. 
And then and then we were talking about, you know, going out and and taking so you said on song break, you've taken new songs and kind of hashed them out on song break. And then I guess you do that when you go out and do your open mics and what have you. Uh, that's a Absolutely. good process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time you you play a new song, you can see how the audience is reacting or, I mean, at an open mic, you, you know, I wouldn't pull out a brand new song at a gig, but open mics, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good practice and it's good to test the waters and it's good to see what it feels like to actually sing that song in public, mm. which is a completely different feeling than when I'm a rock star in my living room, <laughs> right. because, you know, everything goes over here. You know, my dog is like such a great little fan. And as long <laughs> as I'm going to give her a treat, she doesn't care. She'll just sit there and listen to anything. And I feel like, you know, I really got someone's attention, but you know, it doesn't work out there in the real world. So she doesn't wag her tail like a metronome in time to the song or anything like that. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> no, but she does howl. She does howl sometimes and try to sing along, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty neat. <laughs> so tell, tell me about the first time that you went into a studio. How was because this, this is totally, by the way, this is totally foreign to me, you know, uh, the pro and I'm sure it's different with a lot of people, but you go in into the studio with Mike Nugent, you know, what do you do? Do you send him the song first? I mean, how does explain the process to a neophyte like myself? Well, I, I think it's a little different for me because Mike was my guitar teacher. So as I was developing a song, I would, you know, sing it for him. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the lessons were right there in his studio. So I was kind of used to the terrain. Mm -hmm. Um, but the first time I recorded something there, he, he put me in something that was sort of like a phone booth, right. you know, that he has in the back of the studio. Yep, I know like, it. I know it. I'm like, I have to sit in here? And he's like, yeah, you have to sit in there. We have to isolate the sound or something. I don't know what he was talking about. Right. But I thought that was a little weird. But like now it's a little bit different. The setup is, you know, he's behind glass and I'm on the other side and he can conduct, you know, he'll conduct me, Okay. And, you know, tell me when to come in. And he gives all these things. It's very, it's very helpful, actually. Mm -hmm. He's a very good conductor, you know. <laughs> Kudos to Mike, the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you put that song together, is he now taking, are you in the room with other musicians when you kind of knock out the final version of the song or are they being plugged in separately? Um, well, I, I get a kick out of some of the um, album reviews that talk about my band because my band is Mike. Okay. So Michael, <laughs> you know, so everything is kind of like um, we, we did do, we, I did happy independence day with my band. We, we did play together Okay. Um, to record that one. And that one came out really good. I think there's a different dynamic when you're overdubbing as to when you're sure. all playing live. So yeah, even even through even through the COVID, I was amazed by the different um, Zoom uh, bands, you know, where uh, people are playing, you know, in the Brady Bunch, you know, nine corners, mm -hmm. uh, and putting it together. It's 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 interesting. It's interesting to, like you the, you had mentioned about song break about, you know, you're playing to the camera, which is kind of mm -hmm. kind of feel kind of odd. But we're all used to playing. I play in my office, you know, and. Hear the occasional 
you know, sighs from my wife down in the kitchen going, oh, my God, he's <laughs> off key again. Well, um, you're, you're <laughs> playing to yourself, though, because you're watching yourself. It's kind of weird. Right, right, right. It's a very narcissistic kind of setup. And that's know? why I love it, because, you know. <laughs> it's, it's all about you. It's all about me, and <laughs> it's my favorite subject, so. I don't think you I, when you when you talk about people in those Brady Bunch boxes, mm -hmm. you're talking more about programs like acapella. Right. Uh, Zoom, you can't really play together. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Because there's a, like a few seconds delay or fractions of seconds, that, but that you can't you still off. can't play together. Yeah. Yeah. So like in, in this podcast, I, I, I get the MP3 of the songs from the artist and we play it. Uh, you know, I plug it in in post. However, there was somebody who you know, which uh, um, she, she, Rory Kelly, mm -hmm. uh, uh, great musician, you know, had the guitar and she has every great microphone and set up with dad's studio, uh, studio guy. Mm -hmm. And she goes, Oh, I'm going to play, play live. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and she, and she did great, you know. My mistake was thinking, oh, everybody can do that. And I've had subsequent interviews where it just didn't work out the same. But she's, she's a phenomenal artist. Yeah, well, she knows her way around the tech. What, what I find, I, I mean, aside from all the millions of reasons why, you know, Rory is terrific. Mm -hmm. What I find amazing is that she can be entertaining by herself for an hour every week. <laughs> right. Like it's and and I, I think she has a second, uh, live stream that she does. Right, she does week. one on Monday and I think or Sunday, Sunday and Monday or Monday. Yeah, yeah, and and she's asked me to do Monday Night Muses and I I I keep saying no because I can't imagine being entertaining for a whole hour. You know, you know, I it's just it's, and she's entertaining. She has things to say and she's bubbly and she's just, I, I really admire it. Sometimes I watch it. I just, I'm, I'm just in awe yeah, of but, that. Hey, hey, listen, we're, we're going to be uh, together for an hour or so. You're pretty entertaining to me. So uh, don't, well, don't, thank you. don't sell yourself short. I mean, lady, yeah, come but, on. I mean, are you, are you going to do Monday night muses with me? Are you going to come know, along and she didn't, you she, know, she didn't invite me. <laughs> there you go. Hey, yeah. Come to think of it, she didn't invite me. She didn't invite you. What the hell? I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to send. So, what was interesting about <laughs> through my daughter through Rory was finding out about this tech, right? Twitch. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what Twitch was. Right, right. And Twitch was is a video streaming platform that was made for gamers, actually. So people, mm -hmm. so you know, guys sitting on their couch eating Cheetos can. Uh, you know, stream and wear the headset and have a lot of fun. And she took, and they have a lot of those Cheetos icons. Do they really? <laughs> like it, you're trying to find the applause button and it's either Doritos. You know, it's Doritos. Is it Doritos? There's a lot of Doritos. You give somebody like, instead of clapping <laughs> icons, you give Dorito icons. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Fill the bag up. But it's, <laughs> that's where the creativity, I think, uh, comes out, especially in quarantine, you know, um, Finding out these different ways to to go out, but yeah, ent entertaining yourself. She is entertaining. So what I did, and I'll I'll talk about this with her Twitch thing, which blew me away. She was it was uh, probably a Monday night. It was towards the end of her Twitch show, and it was coming on nine o'clock. And she said, "Okay, we're going to take uh, our audience, and we're going to go raid somebody else." 
I'm like, what the hell is she talking about? And next thing you know, I'm watching some gal out of Nashville, singer-songwriter, and she – and again, this is a generosity of musicians. She just took her whole audience, don't know how big it was, doesn't matter, and brought it to another venue, another Twitch show, which I thought, wow, that's so cool. I mean, how we can – Apparently, the raid is like oh, a, the, the raid. a Twitch thing, you know? Yeah, it's a, yeah, they all do it. It's hysterical. Go figure. They're, oh, these people are always having fun. Now, who are these? Like, don't they? Aren't they weighed down by the the worries of the world? <laughs> they have too much fun. Yeah, they're they're li- always laughing and yucking it up. They're... And I'm like, hey, people, watch the news. It's mm. it's horrible out there. And they're happy and they're living in their own bubble. I think I'm going to try yeah. it. Sounds very appealing to me, especially well, the Doritos you know, part. <laughs> I like that, but but I also. Um, I think it's it's interesting that songwriters frequently will say it's harder to write a happy song. Mm. You know, it's easier to write out of sadness and and worry or you know sad things. And and I think that there's something to be said for that. Well, even if you think to get a little biblical, because I did recognize a certain thread of spirituality through your songs and a prayer. Mm-hmm. I spoke about that prayer and, mm-hmm. and I say that with uh, great reverence uh, is, you know, if you think about the Psalms uh, that that David wrote, you know, they're all laments, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, this sucks, God. And, and they usually end on and up, but I still believe in you and I still believe in your goodness, that sort of thing. Uh, and maybe, maybe that's the, the model or the approach to take, but we're all New Yorkers. We've got to complain about something. So maybe oh, from, absolutely. from a sad place, you know, Hey, this sucks, but Hey, there's always tomorrow. <laughs> I could make a full-time job out of complaining about things. Can you? My, you know, my dad was my great nature. at it. My dad had like an <laughs> art. He was artful at it. Maybe I'm getting, getting like my dad cause I'm pretty good at it too. <laughs> but I, but I also think that you're more motivated to write. I know I am. When you, something's really bothering you or, you know, when you're happy, you're just off being happy. You're not really thinking about songwriting so much. Right. You know. See, with me, it's it's not to do it online, but to write about it. And as my daughter would say, put it aside and revisit it and decide, do you really want it out in the world? <laughs> you know, and now that's good judgment. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's got better judgment than than I had in the past for sure. But, um, but it's also, it's, it, I find it therapeutic and we're kind of coming back to your earlier statement of sometimes you just need to put it out there and just say it and release it from being a chip on your, sh- at least a chip on my shoulder, you know, it'll come back, but sometimes to exhale it out of your system in a song or in prose. That's why I like creative writing too. Mm-hmm. One of the best courses I ever took in high school where you actually thought, Hey, I can be imaginative. I can write it. Don't write enough. Want to write more. But now I'm getting more opportunities to do it. So, uh, it's and fun. I and I think that's why songwriters want to be heard, mm-hmm. because you you do write things that are meaningful to you, and you do write things that you want other people to hear, that you want to convey certain messages, and that it becomes very frustrating when you can't be heard. Right. You know, it's very hard to be heard. I mean, you mentioned all of the. Um, the information and the music and everything that comes at us. And there's just a lot out there and it's very hard to distinguish yourself. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? I, I think one of the things, as you were talking about that, as I was listening to you, what's interesting to me is when, whether it's, I've done speeches and somebody, the worst thing, not the worst thing, but when somebody goes, oh, that was great. That was really nice. Wow, you're really good. I don't like hearing that. I rather hear, wow, that touched me. That remind me of this. Because then you go, all right, it hit home You're for a moment. You know, that that's what I want to hear. You know, or I, I don't think people verbalize that as much hmm. be, just because you're willing to put that out there. Or, and you may touch them. All they're willing to say is that was great. You know, that was they're not so necessarily in a situation where they want to disclose how it touched them. Hmm. That's good. So point. sometimes you can you can really interpret those encouraging remarks as it did. They did connect. Hmm. Very good. Hey, uh, I did want to mention we do share um, a love for a certain guy named Bruce Springsteen. So I was happy to I was happy to read that in in your bio. And his last album I thought was just phenomenal. Um, it was just just great. I, I ate up every song. I must have listened. I listened to that album like I used to listen to vinyl when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Where you just Play side one, flip it over side two, play side one, and keep on going. That's what I felt about Springsteen's last album. So that's the one with a thousand guitars on it. Yeah, and which lead, which leads us into <laughs> wow, you're see, you like that? You're good. Yeah, you're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> so the third song uh, that we have from Josie is the sound of guitars. Do you want to talk about that before we hear it or after we hear it? Sure. No, I, I would I would like to say that I was um, the inspiration for that song mm-hmm. is is actually Linda Sussman. Okay, you know just the, the fact that she has some of these powerful songs that are social justice based. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of, and it just always amazed me the power of the song where you can. You know, maybe you can't get people to sit down and read a whole book. Right. But you can get a message encapsulated in a song and they'll, you know, eat it up. Mm. And she's really good at that. And I and I and there are others too in the folk world that I have been in awe of. Wonderful. All right, everybody. Let's listen to the sound of guitars. We'll be right back after the song. The sound of guitars in the night rips through my fear Leaves me quiet The sound of guitars The sound of guitars The sound of a movement A call to action Set to music The sound of guitars The sound of guitars Put down the guns Give up the hatred Love one another Heal this nation No more division by color 
Replace it with the sound of guitars The sound of guitars The sound of guitars The sound of guitars The sound of rising Answering a call No longer silent A message for all Revealing words for the feelings, the sound of guitars, the sound of guitars. Put down the guns, give up the hatred. Love one another, heal this nation. No more division by color. Replace it with the sound of guitars. The sound of guitars. The sound of guitars. The sound of guitars. back with Josie Bello. Uh, what I, I find so interesting about our conversation is uh, you, we said offline that you started seven years ago and you've got a body of work that you're, you're catching up to, which I, I think is, I think is great. Uh, I mean, I, I lament the fact that I've written, you know, 10,000 pieces of songs and never really put more than a couple together. Mm-hmm. So maybe I got, maybe you'll be the influence to get me off my uh, buttocks. Do well, I don't know. Work. I have I have scraps of paper all over the house. See, you know. It looks pretty clean from what I can see in the camera now. So, well, you know, I straightened up you a little straightened bit. Up? Yeah. Thank God. Oh, I know. There's <laughs> nothing worse than talking to a singer songwriter in a sloppy house. It just <laughs> it just gets me upset and turns me off. That's all I got to say about that. There you go. <laughs> tell There's me. There's one what, of one yeah. of my. Fa- I I should tell you, and this is not a lie. One of my favorite things to do is housekeeping. I love organizing closets. I love cleaning. I love oh cooking. God. You know, I'm you, really. You got to meet my wife, way. Debbie. She had, she took the day off yesterday, which is rare. 
And mm-hmm. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, you know, Faith moved out, so, you know, I've got to, got to pack this stuff up. We've got to move this out. Like, boom, we're going to put this on the marketplace. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're exhausted. But, yeah, she's cut from the same stone, so to speak. Organized. I like, Organized. To, I like to iron. And I'm, I'm, she'll even admit, I'm pretty damn good at ironing. Wow. You're a handy guy to have around, well, aren't you? you know, that, because I do that, and I know how to use the remote and some tech is the reason why we're still married. So... So I got that going for me. You know, ironing is a lost art with all the new fabrics that have come out that are just like have no wrinkles. And plus, it seems to be okay to wear wrinkles. You know, it seems to be okay. Yeah, yeah. I can't leave the house like that. I would get dressed down literally and figuratively. (laughs) Well, I've seen you in person. You're quite a sharp dresser. Thank you. All right. That's in perpetuity. On uh, recorded here, so I'm going to play that like ten thousand times on a promo. All right, because it's all about you. <laughs> well, you know, my favorite subject. All right, let's talk about you. What do you got coming up? All right, <laughs> um, uh, Fall Festival, Long Island Fall Festival. I will be hosting the acoustic stage. Me and Frank will be hosting the acoustic stage on Saturday of the Fall Festival, which is October eighth. And where and is that? That is in Hexer Park in oh, Huntington. So place. we have a whole bunch of friends joining us who are going to take half-hour sets. And, um, yeah, so we should have fun. Great park in the village of Huntington. Uh, a lot of history there, too. So, And then the next day we will be on my band, which is Kid House Band. We'll be kicking off Scotto's carnival stage which is the main stage on the midway you know where all the rides are and stuff and mm-hmm. the food court and so we'll be playing for an hour up there wonderful and we'll list all uh we'll list all this information in the chapter marks and uh, the audience can go to gigdestiny.com and go to live events and you'll see uh josie's um gigs there and future gigs so keep checking back and uh, I do want to do another plug for the listener line. So please call us with your comments and suggestions. And uh, we appreciate all our audience members. And, and it's out of your generosity that we keep doing this. So, hey, Josie, it's really been my pleasure uh, to have you uh, on the show. Uh, and I end my show a lot like this. A good friend of mine says, hey, you know what? You can account for what's in your bank and what you own. You can never account for the time you have left. Uh, and the fact you gave me your time is precious. So I appreciate it. And I look to see you playing live out there. And uh, Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been a blast. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Until next time, be generous with your joy. Keep your spirits high and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.